listening you guys i realize it's not easy charlie the dog and i have to listen to these two jokers every day hey you guys what's going on it's episode number 223 now of the ron and don show what is up ron and don nation coming up on the ron and don show we're going to tell you the biggest mistake that people make when they're buying or selling a home in a hot market in fact there was just an article about this in the wall street journal a lot of people went out they bought real estate during covid and now they have this one huge regret it's a regret that we never, never allow our clients to walk into without understanding what they are facing. Because as a buyer and seller, you have rights, and you don't want to waive those just to get a good deal. Also, Bruce Springsteen driving around that Jeep, that Super Bowl commercial. He just got fired by Jeep. We'll tell you why. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Rush Limbaugh not feeling well, and a lot of people feel like he may be on his last legs when it comes to that radio microphone, and a lot of people also feel like conservative talk may be on its last legs. Of course, Ron and I worked in radio, terrestrial radio, and we've been on a lot of different stations from Top 40 to News Talk to Sports Talk to Rock. And uh, conservative talk in America, is it dead as Rush Limbaugh might end up dying here in the next few weeks, months, and or years? Don't count them out, though, because people counted them out 10 years ago. It's a really interesting story from the Washington Post. And so basically what they're saying is, and, and people may not realize this, talk radio is the most profitable brand of radio, mostly for this reason. When you're running a music station, you have to pay royalties on every single song. So uh, that's a lot of money every year. So when you uh, play that Garth Brooks song or you play Katy Perry or you're playing Leonard Skinner, a big chunk of your budget for that station goes to paying ASCAP BMI and those royalties get funneled back to the artist. So when you're on a talk station... Um, it's just less expensive to run that programming and you get uh, more bang for your buck. So what the story is saying is that is that has been true for a long time, but going forward now, uh, into 2021, the percentage of the audience that is interested in listening to not interested, but actually does listen to talk radio is going down and down and down. So in 2019, 9.5% of the entire radio audience was listening to news talk. Uh, and so that may not sound like a lot. It's almost 10%, but that's across all formats. So that's a very big number. So 9.5%. But when you start to break this out by age, only 6.7% of people that are between 25 and 54 are listening to talk radio. And then when you go down uh, an age bracket one more time to 18 to 34, only 4.3% of people that are listening to radio are listening uh, to talk radio. And so 
When you look at these numbers, Don, how do you interpret that? Um, because a lot of the political climate, I think, that we saw in this last election, at least some of it, could be traced back to this culture of talk radio and of conservative talk radio. And now it doesn't surprise me that as the age categories go down, it gets smaller and smaller. What do you think this means, though, uh, to the future of, of radio in America? Well, it means when I did news talk, I ended up making a lot of money. I didn't make a lot of money my whole career because you had to kind of pay your way on different formats. But, uh, you know, last 10 years of my career, that's the way I was able to buy a lot of real estate. And make those investments because instead of paying the royalties to the music companies, they're paying the royalties to me and paying the royalties to you. One of the big reasons why our contract was negotiated, not no negotiated, and the terrestrial station walked away. They're like, we, we can't even pay you half of what we were paying you. And so people that are in news talk today are doing it because there's nothing else that they can do. If you're, I think of, I think of some of the hosts that are on our station that are in the 50, their 50s and 60s, even into their 70s. This is what they've done their whole life. And hopefully they've made a lot of money and they put that away and now they're doing it because they love it, but they're not making a lot of money doing that. Nobody's making a lot of money doing that. And I even think of guys like the T-Man back in the day who was on Cube 93. Rob, a good friend of ours, made millions of dollars, millions of dollars a year as a host on Cube 93. And they were playing music too, and he's in other markets like in San Francisco. So there were no podcasts. There was nothing to listen to on the internet. So people, the majority of people would tune into radio. 80% of the people that listen to it, listen to it in their cars. So now we fast forward to now, a lot of people aren't in their cars because of COVID. What has happened, people have discovered technology. Think about your mom and dad. Maybe they didn't know how to download a podcast. Maybe they didn't know how to order something from Amazon. Maybe they didn't know how to be an iBuyer and buy something online, like a big purchase, like a car. Well, what ha has happened is because we're all sitting at home, it has forced a lot of people, for instance, into the broadcast business. I was in a music store the other day. We're going to have Ed Troyer on, the sheriff of Pierce County here uh, on our next broadcast, 224. I had to go buy a microphone for him. So I went into American Music and I asked the guy, I said, what's going on? Uh, are people supporting you? He said, you know what? Everybody is coming in and buying boards and microphones. He said, we are selling so many microphones right now, Don, because everybody is starting a podcast and everybody has something to say. Everybody has an opinion. So in the early days of podcasting, the product was really bad. What's happened, though, is a lot of great talent has been forced out of terrestrial radio because the money wasn't there. And now, like when you listen to our podcast, it's kind of a direct reflection of what we did on the radio. We don't sit here and edit. So like these segments, for instance, they're edited. We'll edit in a commercial. But as far as actually doing the podcast itself, because we did live radio for so long, we don't sit here and edit up a segment. Uh, it's, you know, if you hear Charlie chewing on his bone in the background or my son playing his trumpet in the other room as he's going to school, that's just part of it. That's the part of it. That's, that's a charm. So a lot of people that were listening to radio, they're not in their cars. They're listening for other friendly voices. And now all of a sudden they say, you know what, Ron and Don, they're not on terrestrial radio anymore. I think I'll try to find those guys. They find the podcast. And now that time that you would spend 
listening to the podcast, you're now listening to the Ron and Don show. So we have seen that happen all around the country. You see some of the great talent that was on NPR. Think of some of the great talent that was on ESPN, even on, even on the TV side. A lot of those guys have been driven out of traditional broadcasting on TV, also on radio. Look at a guy like John Clayton, for instance, right? He was on, he was on ESPN. He was on TV. He was on radio all over the country. And now he's been driven to a podcast. So if you want to find John, that's where you have to go find him. Once you find him though, maybe you're listening to John and then you're not tuning in to your local ESPN station. As a result of that, Stations now, I think of all the all the salespeople that I knew when we worked at Cairo, they're all gone. All the great ones are gone. And they have new salespeople in there that are trying to sell a new model. And it's very, very hard. It's the reason the mountain went away. There is no mountain. Because if you want to find the mountain, you can find that online, on the internet, on Spotify, and you're not sitting through all the commercials. So now you pivot to someone like BJ Shea. It's like, yeah, they play music, but you know what? I really like BJ. The only place to find BJ is our friend over on KSW. He's doing mornings over there and still doing a great job. Has he had to take a pay cut because as a result of that? I don't know because uh, we haven't talked about that in our discussions. But most people on the radio today have taken huge pay cuts. And the only people that are still making money are those old dogs like Rush Limbaugh that may be on 600 radio stations across the country. But a lot of those stations are throwaways. They're on small, small antennas. They're tucked over on the AM dial. No one knows what to do with the AM dial now. So what they're doing is they're beginning to turn those transmitters off because it's not even worth the price of taking care of that terrestrial tower. So it's what I said to the Seattle Times when we left. I said, you know what? As the terrestrial tower dies, we will rise. So here we are sitting with a million plays now, a year and a half later on the Ron and Don show. We're very fortunate to have been on Terrestrial Radio and for our audience in bunches to have followed us on this podcast. There's so much great content on podcasts. And if you're an older person again, and you have discovered Amazon for the first time, well, now you're not going to QFC and Safeway so much. So that hurts that brick and mortar. And if you found podcasts, now you're not listening to that AM show or that FM show, and maybe you're no longer listening to Rush Limbaugh because you found something else on a podcast that you care about even more. And I'll end it with this. Bill Bill O'Reilly, you know, he was making 10 to $20 million over on Fox. And Fox said, we're done with you. And he said, well, I'll go start a podcast. His audience today is much smaller, but he's actually making more money doing the podcast than he was doing on Fox Radio. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the culture changes and interesting to see what happens uh, to these towers. If those numbers continue to trend, the the 25-year-old now in 10 years is not all of a sudden going to wake up and go, you know what, I'm going to listen to the radio in my car. So I think that that... It may be going the way of newspaper, and it, it, it hung on a lot longer than newspapers, uh, but it sure seems like these formats are uh, in a spiral that they can't get out of. Yeah, and the other hard thing is you go back to the Mariners. Uh, Como Radio one time paid $10, $12 million to carry the Mariners. So did Cairo Radio. Nobody wants to care of the Mariners anymore because the Mariners carry the Mariners. And it used to be the Mariners would say, yeah, we'll go ahead and we'll be on terrestrial radio, but we won't broadcast on the internet because the internet wasn't around or we won't give this away on Root Sports because Root Sports didn't exist. So you drive this huge audience over to Como or to Cairo. You have these two stations fighting over because it, it brought this huge audience to your radio station. Then on the breaks, you would say, hey, we do news in the morning or here's one of our great hosts or check out Dave Ross or 
whatever it is. Same thing with the Seahawks. You would have stations that would pay these huge royalties to carry the Seahawks. Nobody necessarily wants the Seahawks anymore, or they don't necessarily want the Mariners because the Mariners and the Seahawks sell all their own advertising within the game. And then also the Mariners and the Seahawks, they have more leverage in these dinky radio stations and they make other deals like Root Sports, the Mariners own Root Sports. And so they're not going to sit here and say, yeah, Cairo or Como or whatever radio station here, KVI, uh, KJR, we'll go ahead and we'll give you the rights to this exclusively. That doesn't happen. All these teams have leverage. And even if you look at the Washington Huskies, who wants to carry them? I mean, you have them over on a very, very small signal now on KJRAM. And again, if you hear local talent, Send those guys a check every once in a while because they are not making any money. And it's one of the reasons why the the local talent will do so many commercials because really that's where their paycheck is coming from, from doing those live endorsements. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to, if you're interested in that story, it's in the Washington Post. Um, I think all the stuff you just said, I, I agree with. It's, it's a fascinating thing to watch though, because of how dominant that was for decades. Yeah. We'll see you on the other side of this. I don't think we'd have this house if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. This house popped up. As soon as we saw it, Ron and Don were here. <laughs> Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well prepared. There were houses we were interested in. They would go and preview them if we wanted. One time Ron went and then FaceTimed us as he walked through several houses for us so that we wouldn't have to come over and waste the trip. I was surprised how quickly, especially after meeting with Don, how quickly they kind of zeroed into what I was looking for. And I don't think we would have like found this house or been as successful with another realtor or doing it without, I can't imagine doing it without a realtor. I was just um, so impressed with their professionalism, their competence, their responsiveness, their respectfulness of our process. Run uh, basically did a check for the areas that I said I was interested in buying. He gave us a whole list of uh, properties that were available. He came with us Sunday morning and we looked at probably five different places. It was a very smooth process. I think that they definitely brought their heart and soul. They did a great job. The market was super hot. We were just such beginners that we didn't know that we would be able to compete. We got so lucky. I don't think we could have gotten this house without Ron and Don. Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Follow us on the social media platforms. Just search for Ron Upshaw or Don O'Neill. All right, you guys, welcome back. Episode 223. Don't forget, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. Yeah, if you are thinking or you know someone, you got a niece, a nephew, a father, a son, whatever it is, that is thinking about real estate this year, contact me, ron at windermere.com. I'll get you that buyer's guide, a seller's guide. We want to help you realize your dream in real estate this year. Yeah. Hey, the boss, Bruce Springsteen, I've always loved him. I've been born to run. Uh, ever since I heard that album. And I know a lot of you love him too. I also have a great respect for him. And what's interesting is he really appeals to rural America. And when you look at him, he looks like somebody that would drive around in a Jeep like we saw in the Super Bowl. Uh, but if you listen to some of his podcasts, because he has his own podcast, he, he really goes after the right. And in fact, he said when it came to President Trump, 
there need to be there needed to be some kind of exorcism is the word that he used. And he was really, really harsh, not only towards President Trump, but toward the Republican Party. That's why there were a lot of people they found it off putting when you had this message of unity and there he is and he's the boss and he's driving around in a Jeep and we see him Super Bowl and you're looking at that message. And I thought the message of unity was nice. But then I went back and I did read some of the transcripts, some some of his recent uh, podcasts and some of the rhetoric in there, rhetoric in there was was I wouldn't say it's alarming, uh, but it's certainly it's certainly he's uh, not pulling any punches. No, and it was it, it, and it was it was very attacking, and some of it I don't know that it was fair, and 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 so to me, I look at the Jeep commercial and I look at the Super Bowl commercial, and I'm like, really? Is is that really in the alignment of who you are? When we listen to your recent podcast, it might be in the alignment of his music over the years. So anyway, a couple of days ago, and by you time you hear this, it'll be a week or 10 days ago. We find out now back in November, uh, he was in a park in California. He was in a car. He got pulled over for reckless driving. Uh, they found containers of alcohol. Uh, find out he was drunk. He got a DWI. In fact, he got cited for three different things as far as open containers as far as being drunk while he was driving, and as far as reckless driving goes. Do you think, knowing that this happened in November, knowing that he had already taped this Super Bowl commercial, should he have picked up the phone and called the people at Jeep and said, hey, I just want to give you a heads up. I know you have spent millions of dollars on this commercial, but when this commercial comes out, either at the time or right after, there's going to be a story that's going to come out. It's going to leak out. I got a DWI. I don't know if he's in a Jeep or not, but he got the DWI. And maybe what we should do is I should just tell on myself here uh, because I don't want to take your millions of dollars and I don't want to do that to the Jeep brand. So what is your take on the boss here? Because it doesn't seem, we use this word alignment a lot. It doesn't seem to be in alignment with the things that he's said over the years the things that he has stood for, and the message that we have heard in his music. Well, I mean, I, I don't know what Jeep knew or what Jeep, Jeep didn't know. They're saying they didn't know. So they, um, I think it would be the honorable thing to do. However, he might have thought that, hey, man, I, I handled it. Like, this is two months ago, three months ago. I, I it, It's handled. It's done. Like, if they wanted to do their due diligence, they could they could do their due diligence. They didn't ask me or it may not be in the contract to disclose anything like that. And so I don't think that's taking the high road necessarily, but I think that um, the commercial itself was powerful. And I think that it meant something to a lot of people to see Bruce, who's now 71, I believe uh, to be some reason he's in a snowfield with the top off of his Jeep which I didn't really get that angle that much. He's in like this blue collar sort of look, but he's the top of the Jeep is off and it's clearly snow on the ground. So that part was a little bit of a disconnect to me because I used to own a Jeep and I would never take the top off when it was that cold because it was brutal to drive. Uh, I guess I did take it off once and figured out it was brutal to drive. So um, I'm a little bit all over the map here, but I think, yes, he the honorable thing to do would have been to tell Jeep. I think the other low-hanging fruit in this story is, hey, Jeep, if you're attaching yourself to an icon like Bruce Springsteen, you get all of it. Like, you're signing up for everything that he represents. Yeah. 
So let me frame it like this. We talked in episode 222. I went really hard at Andy Reid's son. Days before the Super Bowl, he's out driving like Bruce was. Just driving. Drinking. But the, but but this ends differently. He slams into a car, almost kills a little girl. At this hour, maybe she's dead. Maybe she's awake. I don't know. Right now, she's not awake. You got a single mom, three kids, DWI. The NFL ignores it at the Super Bowl. They completely ignore this story. The Chiefs ignore it. Andy Reid ignores it. They ignore drinking and driving. Ignore it. Bruce Springsteen knows that that story is out there. He could have called Jeep and just said, hey, I want to let you know. The DWI thing I know is a hot story when it comes to Andy Reid and his son. He has one son that's dead from uh, illicit drugs. Both his sons, including the one that got arrested, have done prison time in the penitentiary. This is a big deal. This is the boss. And I just got to tell you, I think we should pull that Jeep commercial. That would be the honorable thing to do. That, to me, now is a better story. Hey, you guys, did you hear that Bruce Springsteen picked up the phone and called Jeep and said, hey, remember that commercial that we did? Well, right after we did the commercial, I got a DWI, and I don't, I, we should cancel the commercial. That, to me, is the honorable thing to do. That, to me, is what a boss does. That, to me, is being authentic. That, to me, aligns. Blaming this on Jeep, I think is bull. I blame this on the boss. I'll give you the final say. You convinced me. I think we should demote him to assistant manager. (laughs) We'll finish up on the other side, you guys. Whether you're buying or selling, everyone needs a team. That's what Team Bronco did. That's what Team Lone Star did. That's what Team Wallace did. That's what Team Michigan did. Go Blue! All right, you guys, before we get out of here, a story in the Wall Street Journal. We, we talk a lot about how hot the real estate market has been in the Pacific Northwest. It's really been hot all over the country. Uh, here's the number one thing, though, that people are saying. Because if you buy a piece of real estate, I guarantee you at some point in the transaction, I guarantee you, even if you feel like you got a great deal, you will have a sense of buyer's remorse. At some point, you will feel that. In fact, with all our clients, that's part of the sit-down. We sit down and say, hey, we want to let you know, if you're coming as a buyer, you're going to feel buyer's remorse. You will feel that. If you're coming as a seller, when you sell that, you're going to feel, you're always going to feel like you could have got more. Always. If you ask a million dollars and you get a million dollars, you'll say to yourself, the human condition is, why didn't I ask a million one? I really wanted to. So that's one of the things we do in the sit-down. We say, and Ron's really good at this. He detaches himself from that piece of real estate and the emotion of it, and says, hey, before this gets emotional, because it gets emotional for anyone, because guess what? When you're buying or selling a real estate, something big has just happened in someone's life. Someone just had a baby. Someone just went through a divorce. Someone just passed away. Someone, maybe your partner, is no longer with you, uh, and they are now partnered up with somebody else. It, it just, usually a big life event has happened. Or COVID-19 has happened and you needed some office space or a spot that was bigger for your family. So you didn't end up leaving your partner and partnering with someone else. That happens a lot too. Anyway, the number one mistake that people have made is they do something called 
waiving all inspections. Typically, there's a couple inspections that you would do where you actually have an inspector come and inspect the home, the foundation of the home. How much time is left on the roof? What are the mechanicals in the house? How long has that furnace been around? Furnace typically lasts about 20 years. If it's 19 years in, that's a problem. If it's 10 years in and it's never been serviced and you'll see a service record on the furnace, that's a problem. That thing could be toast. What about the water tank? Is that thing getting ready to explode? Because if it does, that's a real problem, you guys. Are there rodents in the house? Most houses out in rural areas have rodents in it at some point. So what are we going to do about those? You don't know these things until you do an inspection. Is this house falling down? Is this in a slide area? What's going to happen? Is this basement ever flooded? Why do I see this crack here in the CMU and the foundation? And so people will go in and then they find out there's competition and that they're competing against other people. The thing they also forget to do is look at the sewer or the septic system. And so they go to their real estate agent and the agent's like, hey, if you want this thing, we got a right today. We're competing against nine other offers. And you know what? You guys have leverage here. You're going to need to bring more cash, put more cash down, waive every inspection that you can. That's what a lot of agents will tell you to do. And Ron, we really have a talk with our clients before we allow them to waive anything, right? Yeah, and that I can see that being the biggest regret in that Wall Street Journal story because a lot of these folks, you spent 30 minutes in a house. You looked at it online, you went through all the pictures, so maybe you spent a half an hour, an hour there. If you're really thorough, maybe you went out to the county uh, and you figured out how you could pull up that parcel number and you could look at that or you looked at a school district. So maybe you spent you know 90 minutes researching online and 30 minutes inside a house and it's a million dollar transaction. Or even if it's a $200,000 transaction, it's a lot of money. And then you're like, holy crap, there's a lot of stuff I didn't do here. So I, I think I don't ever want to make decisions for someone, but I want them to be aware of the decision they're making. And if you uh, want to waive, if you feel like, wow, I've written four or five offers, we've gotten beaten four or five times, I, I'm getting tired of this, we, we do need to buy a house, and so uh, you, you want to waive these things, as long as you're doing it with your eyes open, then that's what I care about. You recognize what it is you're doing. Uh, you're doing it with full knowledge of what the consequences can be. I'm not going to tell you that you can't make that decision, like there. But I'm going to tell you, I, I'm I'm not comfortable writing that until you're informed at yeah. least. See, this is what I do. I will go to my client and to one of our clients and said, you know what, we don't have to waive the inspection. You know what we can do is they're collecting offer reviews six days from now. We've tested to see if we could bring an early offer, and they don't want an early offer. And maybe we've all even already written uh, on some other things. And so what we'll say is, you know what? Let me just call one of my friends that's an inspector. And we can't do a traditional in- inspection, but we can kind of walk through the home together. So let's let's pick up the phone, and we can call my friend John, or we can call my friend Jim. And we'll pay them a couple hundred dollars to walk with us to look at the foundation to take out a moisture meter and make sure that there's no moisture, uh, to peek on the roof and see, is this three-tab shingle going to last another 10 years? Because if it's not, then the bank won't even finance it. So we have a better idea of what we're buying here 
And then what we can do is go ahead, write our offer. Even if we want to write our offer early, let's say that they're doing an offer review on Thursday. We've seen the house the weekend previous. And then on Monday, we walk through an inspector and then we write early on Tuesday and we say, hey, this deal dies on Wednesday. We know that you're doing an offer review on Thursday, but we've walked through, we've done our inspection, our due diligence, and we've had an opportunity to look at the house. And as a result of that, uh, we're going to come in and write you a really, really great offer. A lot of times real estate agents will take that offer early because they don't want the pain of sitting through 10 other offers because they have to do all the due diligence on that. So don't forget, before you waive something, a lot of times real estate agents will do that because it's easier for them and they get their commission quicker (laughs) and then they can go skiing this weekend and they don't have to show you any more houses. Uh, Really important, really important that you have a real estate agent that is telling you no Uh, that is showing you speed bumps, that is putting up caution tape, and that when you blow through that caution tape or you say yes, because you're the ultimate decider, you're the one that decides. These are your rights, not your real estate agent's rights. It's just their job to make sure that they inform you, that they inform you. Don't make it easier for your agent so they can ski this weekend. Great agents should be out working on Saturdays, Sundays, and Monday night's getting it done, right? Yeah, and that's uh, well said. When you when you sit down with us, we have multiple strategies for everything, for buying, for selling, for investing. There is not one lane. I, there, my favorite answer this week, as I've been showing houses, has been it depends. So, what about this? What about that? What about that? I can. It depends. Mm-hmm. It depends on what you're wanting to do here, and so that that's. Uh, what I really enjoy that you and I do between the two of us, we can come up with strategies that are going to win uh, at any game we're going to play, whether it's buying, selling, or investing. Yeah. Well, hey, you guys, that's episode number 223. A couple episodes we really love. If you're listening to 223 and you want to listen to another episode, uh, last week we had Trooper Nolan Washington on, who's the new recruiter. He's African-American. What's it like to be a black cop in a blue uniform? For the Washington State Patrol, and now you're trying to out you're you're out there trying to recruit women and black and brown friends, black and brown people, as well as all people uh, to come be a trooper. What is that like? And we talk a lot about white privilege and other things. That's episode two twenty. If you want to check that out, I think you'll like it. And then coming up, coming up tomorrow, uh, episode two twenty four will be out on a Thursday morning. That is Mary. Doe from the Special Olympics, they really need your help this year, you guys, because they they have 19,000 athletes in Washington State, and they've had to cancel Special Olympics, so they need your help. And then the new sheriff, we haven't talked to the new sheriff in quite some time since he was the new sheriff of Pierce County. Ed Troyer's going to be here, and he tells me that he's going to be in his new jumpsuit, so I'm pretty excited about that, see Ed in his jumpsuit. And we're going to talk about Special Olympics, but we're also going to talk about what policing is like. After the Capitol Hill riots, we're going to ask him, were there any Pierce County sheriffs that were in the other Washington? Because now we found out that there were six uh, Seattle cops that were there when these riots went down. So we're going to ask Ed about that and what it's like to police in 2021 in the current climate, where it's pretty tough out there sometimes, not only to police, but to recruit new officers. And in fact, they just hired seven that had left SPD, and for a lot of those officers, it's because of what happened. Not because they were fired, but what happened at the CHOP 
over the summer here. Now you have Carmen out, you have the mayor not coming back. Lots of changes here in the city of Seattle. Anyway, he's Ron, I'm Don, Charlie Dog's over on the floor. We really appreciate you guys. Listen to episode 223. Please share it on your social channels with your friends. That helps the show populate. And if you hit the subscribe button, what's cool about that is every time the show drops, it'll just show up every Monday, every Wednesday, every Thursday. It drops at about 4 a.m. And before you go, would you go to Ron and Don sit down? Please, please, please do this. Go to Ron and Don sit down. Get signed up for our newsletter Ron has just written something in the last week that you're going to love, you guys. It's really, really good. It's about his morning routine and what he does uh, every morning. In fact, before we do a Ron and Don sit down, Ron sits down with himself. Uh, and it's really, really powerful. It's in the newsletter. The Ron and Don Nation News is what we call it. We send it out once a week so we're not spamming your box. And we always try to put something in there about our personal lives, something that's going on in our real estate business. Uh, we have a television show that uh, maybe or maybe we're not shopping. Uh, and Ron gives some really, really good advice about his morning routine this week. So get signed up for the Nation News, runitonsitdown.com. Again, thanks for listening today. We appreciate you. Thanks for giving us great lives. Keep your head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Dawn Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>